Hello, and welcome back to Between the Sundays. Uh, today, we have a really special episode. I'm excited about it. Um, normally, we have some of our staff uh, with me as we just talk about ministry and some of the things that are taking place at Generations Church. Uh, but today, I have some of my family with me. So uh, this is my dad. This is Bill Isaacs. Uh, this is my brother, Jason Isaacs, and then my three sons, Cooper, Branson, and Tucker. And uh, and so today, we want to talk a little bit just about generations. Uh, we're Generations Church, and so, uh, you know, this is an important uh, part of our story as a church, uh, but not just as a church. It comes out of kind of my personal life and experience. Um, and what we talk about as a church is that some people are second, third, fourth, fifth generations of faith kind of people. Like their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, like they were faith-filled people and they've passed on their legacy of faith. But then there are people that are deciding to kind of put a stake in the ground and say, hey, as for me and my house, and they're first generations of faith. So um, I want to talk a little bit about this because, again, it comes out of my personal story, but it's also really the story of our church, which we draw from Deuteronomy chapter 6. that says, you know, this is for you, your children, your children's children. You're going to drink from wells you didn't dig eat from vineyards you didn't plant, um, which is obviously a huge part of, of my narrative. So, Dad, I want to start with you. Um, I'm, I'm drinking from wells that you dug, but I'm also drinking from wells that your parents and your grandparents even dug. So we come from a family of faith. Maybe just a little bit of like your parents, your grandparents, kind of tell us a little bit of that. And I'm just looking kind of for their faith story and how it impacted your faith story. Well, my grandfather, Henry Ernest Isaacs, for whom I'm named, uh, was a spiritual hero to me. He was not a well-educated man, only had a fourth-grade education, but he really loved God, and he really loved God's Word. And I, I hope that I've done him proud in my lifetime for carrying on the faith that he tried to pour into me. I mean, I look back now, and I see how intentionally my grandfather wanted me to understand the faith. Hmm. Uh, he taught me a lot of really good things. I remember stories and conversations now that I didn't remember in the moment, but as I think back, you know, to moments like I, when I first accepted a call to ministry and I told him, he was the second person I told after my dad, he said, when you were five years old, hmm. he said, I had a dream and I saw you standing on a stage in front of thousands of people. Hmm. And I just always knew one of this, this day was coming. Well, I didn't know that, sure. you know, but he did, he sure. had that vision of the future. And I think that's the thing that uh, has always struck me about our family is that God seems to have given our family that forward lean, that forward look. You know, even with your kids, as I look at these boys and I think about how intentionally you and Corey have raised them uh, around the church in the faith. But I think the other thing that uh, has always struck me is that my parents gave me the opportunity to choose faith for myself. It wasn't forced on me. It wasn't, you have to do this because you're in a Christian family. I had the opportunity to choose uh, to do my own thing. Um, and, and at the same time, there was enough room there for me to know that if I got in trouble, yeah. you know, the light was on. That's right. I could come back to that uh, faith heritage. And so, you know, I think the the phrase that I use a lot in my writings and other things is that I'm standing on the shoulders yeah. of those who preceded me. I get to see farther. Uh, and just like Cooper and Branson and Tucker are going to stand on your shoulders because you're standing on. So you think the generation stacking up, they, they can see so much farther uh, than maybe I could yeah. or that my grandfather could. That's good. And I didn't do this in the introduction, but you're currently pastoring a church uh, near Lake Erie in Cleveland, in, in Cleveland yeah. Ohio. And uh, so this is not just about ministry specifically, but 
just about faith in general. And so you've got a track record of ministry, but I, I love that it it's your faith in general. It's not just the ministry side, which is important. So Jason, you pastor a church in Louisville, Kentucky, Hope City Church. Um, you are my younger, less funny, less good-looking brother. Um, you're you're going to speak next, so you get the mic. You can say whatever you want to. But, but he no, carries the burden it, well. He, yeah, he does carry honest, well. But, yeah. No, I just, for you, like, how, how did growing up in a family of faith uh, impact your life and impact how you're leading your family now and the church that you lead? Like, what does that look like for you? Be kind. <laughs> um, I think I actually get asked this question in some form or another a lot from people in my church because I tell stories about my family and the people who are usually asking are asking with some kind of guilt or regret or, you know, my, I didn't, I never had that or man, you're so lucky. And I am, I've been very blessed. You know, when I talk about a praying grandparents or uh, the heritage that we have. So I, but I, what I always say to them is, is um, I think the biggest thing is that when God began to stir my heart, 15, I guess, years old, I had somewhere to go. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I wouldn't say it was so much. Um, I think mom and dad were very, they were like very hands-on, but very hands-off. So it's like we had to go to church. You know, there, there were some non-negotiables that I would fight with my parents about all the time. <laughs> but then, but there was, but they weren't, there was an overreach where it was, it didn't feel very rigid. It didn't feel very legalistic at home. It didn't, there weren't things we could do, you know, couldn't do or whatever. Uh, it didn't feel that way, at least looking back. Kind of gave me space to do that. And then when God got a hold of my heart and I was actually wanting to know, and I was, I was receptive. I, yeah. Now I'm, it's not being forced on me. Now I'm hungry and I'm seeking. Yeah. I would go lay, you know, I'd go sit on the edge of their bed or lay on the edge of their bed, or I would, you know, ask them to drop me off at the church or whatever. And so that's probably the biggest advantage, I would say, the biggest blessing for me that maybe other people don't have that I hope all parents would want to start, that I want to start is like, I'm going to make sure I'm putting you in the right environments, but I'm not going to try to overreach on that. And then whenever the Holy Spirit or whenever God gets a hold of hopefully my children's heart, it's already happening for them. And they want to know, then I then I hope there's a place they feel like they can grow and learn because we've created that environment, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that when I think back on it, you know, I know a lot of PKs and a lot of, you know, church kids have a lot of stories and church hurt and things like that. And every church we did we went to wasn't perfect, but I felt like my home life, mom and dad's relation personal relationship with God was more impactful than the churches I attended because you know, what the old saying of like, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. Yeah. It was like, they really kind of left me alone. We had to go to church, I'd do things like that. But then when I was ready, there was a place I could go. Yeah. I just went next door and knocked on the door yeah. or sat in the living room or uh, things like that. And so I, it was, it was immediate. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing is, is, uh, is just creating that environment. And then when, and, and then the timing aligns, the supernatural timing aligns with God and what they're doing. That's good. Hey, you yeah. know, something just really quick. I just, great, great story just prompted in my head. One of the most favorable memories that I have of Jason in this journey around 14 or 15 or wherever it was, is how much struggle we thought we were having with Jason about faith. And then having him push the door open to the bedroom and come in with his Bible and sit down and say, Dad, can you tell me about this passage of Scripture? Or 
mom, can you explain what, what this means right there? And when he would walk out, we would go, we're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. We're going to be okay. Because we, we felt that tension of making sure that he had a Christian environment, but we weren't sure, you know, because he was, he was a a very contrarian, right? That's the word we use about him. But we, he did have that that pushback. Yeah. Right. You know, I remember the screaming days, like I will not wear a suit to church. God doesn't care if I wear a suit to church. I think I was ahead of the times on that one. (laughs) Yes, you were. Nobody does that. But But I'll say this too, as amazing as the home life was, there was also a very, very influential youth pastor. Yeah. And I remember, you know, mom especially would get frustrated sometimes because I would come home and I would say, you'll never believe what Josh said. And she's like, I've been saying that for years. <laughs> so it's like the environment that's yeah. created at home is crucial. But then also it's there's outside voices. Yeah. I think that's why it's important to be in church, have your kids in youth group, things like that. It's not that church is going to solve all their problems, but, you know, especially when you're a teenager, like you know, someone else is brilliant, even if they're saying the same things your parents have said. That's right. And then I was able to take those things I was learning and hearing and the way that my youth pastor was impacting my life. And I was to take them home to an environment where that could flourish and grow. My parents weren't making fun of me for being a Christian. They weren't telling me to miss church because we need to go do this. It was like, I was hungry. So they were fanning that flame, but, but the influence of outside voices, And and they were they were encouraging of that. I mean, they didn't love everything that I was coming home and saying I was learning, but but they just liked the fact that I was hungry, right. and so they would fan that. That's right. That's good. Yeah. Well, and I think you know for our family, I'll speak, and we've got our daughter Kinley as well. But for our family, you know, we we talk a lot when I was in youth ministry about students tend to flock to the oldest person that takes them seriously. And so inside your home, sometimes those roles get, you know, overlapped because I'm the disciplinarian and the dad. And the, but it's like when you have an outside voice or two, a youth leader, a kids pastor, a youth pastor, uh, you know, an, another mentor type person within the church environment, like that really allows them for to have somebody that like speaks into their life and just encourages them and calls out the God potential on the inside of them. And I do think that that kind of community of faith piece within the church is why that's so important. It's the idea of like encouraging one another and and spurring one another on towards good deeds. Like I think that has so much generational impact because it's Titus chapter two. It's the old men teaching the younger men. It's the old women Mm -hmm. teaching the younger women. And some of that's function. Like here's how you pray. Here's how you read the Bible. But some of it's just modeling that and encouraging that. And so I love that you have that story. Um, And I love that at least for our kids, when I watch, we've got those people within our church that come and sit at their ball games, they're they're you guys live out of town. So you're not able to always come and support their endeavors. We got people within our church. They're not family. They're like no. just out of relationship. They come and support them and encourage them. And then they see them on Sunday and hand them gas money or, you know, just encourage the things that they're doing, the gifts that they have and the things they see that are evident. So Cooper, I'll ask you, you're the oldest of our three sitting on the couch. You got to go first. Like, what has it meant to you? You're 18. You move away to college in just a few months. Like, what does it mean to you to have grown up in a household of faith, not just in a, a preacher's home, pastor's home, but like, what does that look like for you and your personal faith journey? I think in like a weird way, early on, you get exposed to being a pastor's kid. Like before you go to school, like you just think it's normal. Like, but like good elementary school and you like, you do like, who, like what about you? And you're like, oh, my dad's a lawyer. My dad's a doctor. Well, my dad's a pastor. You know, like you get, you get exposed to like what your family does pretty early on. And I think from a young age, I was, I had to mature up real fast because I'm, I was a part of, you know, these events and these things. And I, I wanted to fit in with the older person. 
But I think I've always had people in my corner who have showed me what to be a leader and how to how to lead people, but how to lead people with faith and how to like truly be a Christian in every situation. And even if you're not necessarily speaking about faith, how to like lead people and how to like truly live out your faith without having to say something about your faith. And uh, I think from a young age, I was shown from Papa and from Uncle Jason, like in situations, whether it's at youth camp or if it's at Winterfest or whatever it is, like you're shown how to lead, you're shown the connections you make with people. And I think for me, like even growing up and playing baseball and other things outside of church, I was like, I truly felt like that I can live with faith because of the people around me and what my family does, but I can, I can still fit in, but I have to be set apart because of who my family is. And so like, I think in a weird way, like I'm not a doctor, it's like kid or like a lawyer's kid. Like I'm truly a pastor's kid. And I think that's helped me be more of a mature person and a leader pretty early on in my life. I'm curious, Jeremy, like Cooper had his uh, scholarship, baseball scholarship signing today. Shout out. (laughs) That's why we're all down here. But I'm curious you and Corey's approach, because you guys are a little bit ahead of us. Andrew and I's kids are a little bit younger than, than, than y'all's. But you guys, faith was so central, yeah, is so central in your family, but also extracurricular activities. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like any of your kids, and correct me if I'm wrong here, fellas, but <laughs> I don't feel like any of your kids would say, my dad being a pastor or my family, let's take pastor out of it, my family being committed to church cost me. Yeah opportunities. Right. And I feel like a lot of times people talk about this, this, you know, dichotomy of it's either heavily committed to church or travel sports or yeah. drama or marching band or whatever. I don't feel like you ever made your kids choose, but it, but by, but I'm, that also doesn't mean that like they, you know, miss church a bunch. Yeah. So how did you and Corey approach that as like a, we are a church family, right? And we're a sports family, so much so that your kids are playing sports in college. Well, that's a great question. I think there were like three specific conversations that I remember us having. One of them I heard from another pastor, and he made this statement. I will talk about the pastor side of it for a minute, and then I'll go just to, to general faith and, and, and kind of Christianity in our home. But he said, I never want my kids to feel like being a pastor's kid is a negative for them. And he said, so what we want them to do is feel like, hey, this is a blessing to our life and a benefit for us, but it's never handcuffs that you have to wear. And so what we wanted to say is like, hey, church is not just something we do. Church is who we are. And so if we go to a travel game or we're on vacation, like my, the kids make fun of me. I'm usually looking for a church to attend on vacation. Yeah, not me. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm not saying not we go every church. time, but like if we're out of town and we're traveling, like we're looking for church. Corey took Branson to a lacrosse tournament a year ago, and the, they found out the game didn't start till like 1130. They were in another state. That's they found funny. a church to go That's to the 9 great. o'clock service. So for us, it's it, church is not an add-on to our schedule. It's just kind of central to who we are yeah. and prioritize faith and there's been a ton of times we've been sitting at ball games on the weekend listening to the podcast of the service they missed or yeah. watching the service. Or, so there's a huge part of that from a pastor standpoint. But I think for us, the other part about it is, again, kind of what you described and what you modeled for us and what we saw, what we've seen on my on Corey's side with, with Cindy and with the rest of our extended family is the idea that, like, we we do what Deuteronomy 6 says. Like, we talk about faith in our home. Like it, we sit around the dinner table. We talk about various, it's not all we talk about. We talk about all kinds of things. 
we we talk about those things. Cooper was on spring break. I'm gonna embarrass him. Cooper was on spring break, sitting on the beach last week, and texted me. He's like, "Hey, I'm I'm reading through my devotional, my Bible reading plan. Like, what does this mean? You know, he's 18 year old kid sitting on the beach. But like, that's just conversation that we try to work into every aspect of our lives. Um, he also texted me a bunch of non biblical things. I mean, it was, it was just a you know, it's a combination. But I just think for us, we've tried to ingrain it into just the vocabulary of our life. And we've yeah. tried to incorporate it into everything that we do. Yeah, it's because it. of who you are. I, and, and I think the key to that is that's who you and Corey are. And that's why your kids are following in that pattern. I think that it's so important for parents to realize who they are is going to transition. Yeah. Kids are going to pick up on that. And because that's the kind of things that you do, your kids will do that. I see so many things that my parents did. You were talking a moment ago about the balance with sports and church. Mm-hmm. Well, this was a huge, a huge issue in my growing up days because in my day, you know, there were no practices or things on Wednesday nights and there was nothing on Sunday because it was a more Christian society. Yeah. We just didn't mm-hmm. do that. But when Wednesday night basketball practice was a deal it was a big deal I mean, you would pick me up i played in high school and yeah like you would not i mean not all the time but there would be times where you know we would i was able to miss church every now and then but then there were other times where you, i would say dad i want to meet and you'd say no we're going to church right. it wasn't heavy-handed it was just sometimes we did sometimes we didn't and there was a balance there yeah and i think the other thing i fought for i tried to fight for is that balance because i would say to my bosses in the church world that I was working for. Now, look, there are going to be some days I may not be available because my son plays baseball or whatever. I'm going to work hard for you. You're never going to have to chase me for product and content, but I will be, you know, because I, before I am this, I am a father. Yeah. And so I fought for that and I was glad to be able to do that. And I think I see you guys doing the same thing. And uh, so, I mean, especially like with, with, uh, well, all three of them. I was about to say Branson and Cooper, but Tucker's singing too. But your kids are very involved in church. Yeah, like yeah. the lead drummer. I don't know if you're the lead bass player, but the bass player. Yeah. Um, praise team singer. You know, you're all in the youth group. And they're also like the best players on their team. Yeah. And again, just going back to that dichotomy, I think it's important. I mean, I'm high on you guys. <laughs> high on you guys. It, appreciate it. Uh, but there's just this 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 false dichotomy we have of like, Okay, my kids got, I got to choose. They've either got to be the best at this or the best at this. They've either got to be really committed to this or really committed to this. And that's a good point. The really special families that I notice, and you and Corey have really, you know, it's funny, Andrew and I will, if we're on the fence, like Sadie, my daughter has like a soccer tournament out of town on a Sunday. It's like, well, should we miss? And we'll say, like, well, Jeremy and Corey would let them miss. (laughs) uh, But, um, but, but there are a lot of times where it's like, well, okay, we're going to hit the early service before we leave town or whatever. And point being is like, you guys have modeled that and, and you guys have seen that, you know, you were the, you had kids first in your friend group, you know, you had kids, the first grandkids and stuff like that. And so you guys have really had to be out in the front of that. And I don't know how much of it was on purpose and how much of it was accidental, but it has really been modeled well, where it's like, you can be the best player on your team and and the most committed kid that's in the so youth good. group. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, so I, 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 I want to say this because I think Corey helped shape this in our family culture, kind of the ethos of our family. But the idea here is if, if church is the only thing that you have in your faith, 
then you do have to choose on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like because it's like, well, if we go to that, we don't have we don't get to go to church, and that's that's, that's the only thing we do all week. Mm-hmm. But like if if faith is a part of seven days a week, it doesn't devalue church. Like I believe in it. We commit our week to planning for it. But it and we're, we kind of turn that conversation to very, this one specific issue. But like it is saying, like no, this is a part of what we do. So we're going to find a way to to do both, and that is important for us. Branson, let me ask you this question: Like, what does that look like for you? Like, did you ever feel that tear? Do you feel that tear? You're 16. You do play sports. You do volunteer and serve in our church. Like, what does faith look like for you? Kind of at school and on the ball field, and you're a high level lacrosse player. Like, what does that look like? How do you integrate faith into both? And do you feel that tear? Like we're talking about here. Yeah. I mean, I feel like y'all never put, like, like we've talked about already, like, you never put me make a choice. You never made me choose, like, if, I, if I'm going to go to church, I'm going to be involved in the youth group only, or am I only going to play sports? Like, you, you let me do both, and you let me do both really well, and you supported me in both aspects of life. But, like, also, I've tried to integrate my faith, like, between friends, finding friends of the school, inviting friends from the team to the, like, youth group. Like, I've tried to, like, connect those two and not make them two separate things. Like. That's good. I've tried to pray before games and honor the Lord and how I play, and I try to like connect with my friends in the the faith based way of playing. So we're praying before games with each other. We're connecting with each other. So good. We're trying to like make it about Him and but like not separate what what He's given us, our gifts and our opportunity, and separating it from the real gift and church aspect of coming to churches on Sunday and coming on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights for youth. Like we try to put them together, and I feel like that's help me grow in my faith and also help me grow in relationships with teammates and with other people like alongside with me of Christian athletes. And- That's good. That's awesome. And That's I do true. think that the, the cool thing is over the years, we've seen more and more like lacrosse players from the junior program to the high school pro- that started coming. That's another piece and- of it too. Their coaches are coming yeah. to church here. Yeah. And I don't feel like you guys sit down and are like missional about it. Like, yeah, but you are intentional yeah. and uh, it works. It pays good. Tucker for you. Like you're you're the youngest boy on the couch, but you're kind of the third of our four most and talented. So, yeah, Be- best uh, athlete. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, if anybody's gonna achieve Let's high on the ball field, it's yeah. this kid. So you you've not just had like Papa and Grandma and Nina and Dad and Jason and Mom and all these. You haven't just had that. You've also had two older brothers mm-hmm. that have kind of been a little bit ahead of you in sports and in faith and in church and in serving and in life. Like, how has that impacted your relationship with God, your relationship with the church? Like, what does that look like for you in living out your faith at school and on the ball field and at church? What does that look like for you? Well, I mean, they've gone through the same experiences. But, like, if I'm going through anything, like, through school and I can't find anybody, like, I can ask them. It's good. Because they've gone through the same thing. Yeah. But even if I'm going through something that, like, I'm scared about or I'm nervous about, I can just ask them because I know they'll help me. That's good. That's good. So, I mean, they've modeled that for you, but they've also made themselves available to you. So I, I love that. I, I think for for me, you know, and I, I you use the, the phrase like standing on the shoulders, you know, I, I preached Sunday with mom's Bible. My mom passed away 12 years ago in March. And so we, you know, we talk about that, but I've got uh, my grandmother, your mom's Bible. I have my mom's dad's Bible. Um, and I, I take those to the pulpit when I preach a number of Sundays, most Sundays, I take one of those Bibles with me to the pulpit because I am preaching a message that maybe I wrote this week, but I'm preaching it based on the faith that was developed in my whole life of these last 41 years and beyond because your faith stories and my grandparents' faith stories and the stories of Corey's family and her 
parent, grandparents, all that kind of stuff. Like, it's the idea that that faith has been forged in me. And so I'm not bringing like brand new content. I'm bringing a new expression of timeless content. Yeah. yeah don't you think that's exactly what Paul's trying to tell Timothy when he said, I know, I know about the faith of your grandmother. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't, don't let anybody put you down because you're a young person, but yeah. you, you came out of a heritage that has prepared you for the moment. And yeah. I think when I hear these kids, I mean, I get real misty eyed listening to them because I think, that all of our lives we've been trying to to do this yeah. to make sure you know because I've always said that the saddest verse in the Bible is Judges two ten, where the writer said that the children did not even know the God of their fathers. Yeah. I don't I, you know we didn't want that to happen. We we we've we've all done that. Jason has done that with Andrea. You guys have done it. We tried to do it. My parents tried to do it. Is to make sure that when it's all said and done there's no way that we would not know the God of our fathers. We would not know what they have meant. I know we all treasure the book that mom, that my mom created a few years ago, just all the miracles that she had right. seen in her lifetime because she didn't want Tucker to grow up and not know what God had meant to her in her life. Right. So I think that that's, that's the drive here is to make sure that Cooper makes his own choice. Yeah. And we're not forcing him to the altar but we want to be create an environment where he can make the choice he wants to make to get there. and have that. Yeah. I, I would say too, that, you know, the, for every person who's watching this or listening, who doesn't have Christian parents That's or right. Christian grandparents, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I'm a little bit jealous because you can be the patriarch of your family. That's right. That's right. And That's good. you know, of course, there are better upbringings than others. I'm not saying there's not, but there's no such thing as a perfect childhood. That's right. If we wanted to make this a podcast about how being a preacher's kid, <laughs> you know, was had negative impact on you, we could do that. Yeah. I would rather my dad be a preacher than a drug addict. Yeah. So, like, there are there are worse upbringings than others. However, there's no perfect childhood. That's right. And so, if you're watching this and you would say, like, man, I wish I had a dad like that. I wish I had a grandfather like that. You can be that dad. That's right. You know, you can be that grandfather. And I tell a lot of people in our church, like, they're first-generation Christians. And I'm like, your grandkids are going to – you say, man, I wish I had grandparents like you, talking about me. And I'll say, that's what your grandkids are going to say about you. That's right. That's right. And, man, that's kind of cool. That is cool. That is cool to think about that, like, you know, if there's dysfunction in the family tree, it stops with me. That's right. You know, if if, if there's no model of of godly, you know, behavior, it starts with me. And, and I'll get to be the, I'll get to be the father Abraham, so to speak of our family, which is so cool. So when you say that your, your generation's church is built on that model that you dig, you, you drink from wells, you did not dig. Yeah. You, you realize that some of the things you do now, you may not in your lifetime, see the reality of it. Yeah, that's right. So when I went to Africa in 2006 and in the town of Mutimbo, preached in a soccer stadium with 3,000 people sitting there. And I walked out on that stage and I'm hearing this, this person introducing me, the translation, you know, translators beside me, he's introducing me. I, I heard my grandfather. Yeah. He prayed. He saw that when I was five years old. He never lived to see the reality of that, but thousands of people heard me preach the gospel that night. And he saw it because God showed it to him. And I think that we have to have that forward lean that says, okay, the seeds I'm planting in Tucker and Branson and Cooper right now, I may not get to see all of them. Yeah. I'll see some of them, but I may not see all of them, but it's their children and their children That's right. and their children. That's right. So that generations later, I mean, so many times I've said to God, thank you for my grandfather who was praying over me 
before I was even born. Yeah. You know, and I've prayed in our family, the heritage. I prayed for these boys before they ever came to be. I prayed for your kids before they ever came to be because I believe in that. I believe that we're planting seeds that somebody, some generation later yeah. is going to harvest. And I would concur with what he said. Somebody watching it now who doesn't have that faith heritage that we have can plant seeds now that will pass on two and three and four generations down the line. Well, and I think, again, not just to make it like circling back to the church, but like that is one of the great values of being a part of a church and a community of faith. You can take some adopted grandparents sure. and some adopted parents. Sure. And we tell that story all the time, you know, with, with, with Corey and with me and different aspects. Like we were looking at models ahead of us in marriage and life and parenting and faith and ministry. And it's like, hey, I'm going to follow your example, you know, follow me as I follow Christ, that kind of piece. But you can do that in a church where it's, you don't just have to look to your immediate family tree. You can look to some other men and women within your faith circle to go, hey, you, you actually have the ability to kind of model for me what it is that I'm trying to create for my family tree. That's good. And, and I think that's the value of the church family. One of the values is that you're not meant to be an island. You're not trying to live this thing out on your own. You can look to other examples, other people, and go, hey, can I just kind of follow you? Can I? Can you just, again, I referenced some people that show up at our kids' games, and that's one example, but, like, they're investing in my kids' lives, so it's not just me and Corey, but that's because we're a part of a church family, and I, and I love that, and I think there's enormous value in that. Yeah. Um, and so that's that, that's a powerful picture for me. Well, I, I am thankful for for you. I'm thankful for Jason. I'm thankful for, obviously, the our kids. Um, but I'm thankful for your parents and grandparents and and on the other side of our family with, with Corey's family. Like I'm thankful for her grandparents, longtime pastors and just ministers and people of faith and her mom. I, I just I'm I'm thankful for that in our family. But I do believe, and I say it every time we talk about this, it's not just the two, three, four, five generations of faith, folks. It that the courage to say, like, hey, this is not my story, but I'm putting a stake in the ground and deciding sure. today. Um, that's a powerful picture. So if you're watching today, if you're listening today, um, just know we're we're encouraging you to to practice some self-discipline, which is what we want most over what we want now. Like plant seeds in the ground now that maybe your kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids will get to harvest. And uh, we're praying for you. We believe in you. God bless.